health data is vital for life and it's vital for science. And if we can really harness the power of health data, we can do amazing things for science, health policy, healthcare systems. I think the COVID pandemic showed us how much easier it would have been to manage the entire pandemic if we had very fast data about what works and what doesn't. It took us months to find out what is the best way to treat COVID patients. The penny has dropped, if you will. So for some of the people where this was an interesting project before the pandemic, now it's become like, I can't believe we haven't done this already. I can't believe we don't have this already in place. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is a Coffee Talk. In this Coffee Talk, we're diving into data. You've probably heard the expression that data is the new oil. It's the valuable resource that allows the wheels of modern industry to run. Every day, there are headlines as tech companies and governments frame the conversation around the use of data. With the proliferation of smartphones and wearable devices, online shopping and home voice assistants, we leave a digital footprint with almost everything we do. While our data can be crunched to drive better insights on listening habits, activity levels, and consumer preferences, there's also a far more important application for our data to improve human lives and health outcomes. In this Coffee Talk, we explore how leaders in the pharmaceutical industry are working with people, policymakers, and providers to create solutions that will usher in a new era of healthcare solutions and services. We worked with the team at Takeda Pharmaceuticals in the creation of this episode, and Takeda is one of the sponsors of Digital Health Today. For decades, telecommunication companies have invested in infrastructure to allow data to flow freely. While today we enjoy the benefits of fast internet in our homes, offices, phones, and cars, it wasn't always this way. There was a time, not too long ago, that the telecoms companies were pretty resistant to the idea of investing in this disruptive internet technology. After all, if they were going to fork out billions of dollars in infrastructure, they needed to know how this data capacity could be used. Now remember, this all took place before iPhones and Netflix, before YouTube and Zoom video conferencing. So it wasn't exactly clear why next-generation broadband was so important. The key use case that helped to illustrate the potential for faster and better data transmission was healthcare, because after all, there is no other sector where there is so much value that can be created through harnessing the data. It was obvious that healthcare is the one sector for which we need broadband. That's the voice of many Staliadu. Many is an antitrust lawyer by background, and she spent the first 10 years of her career in the telecoms world. She was one of the people at the leading edge of the project to bring broadband to Europe and to the world. Many is now at Takeda, and she's leading the Health Outcomes Observatory project, also referred to as H2O. H2O is a project that brings together the public and private sectors in Europe to create an unprecedented standardized data governance and infrastructure system. What happened in real life is that this is actually the sector where we've seen less progress. It's the area where digital technologies took the longest to really transform the sector. Many thinks that part of the reason that digital technologies have progressed more slowly in healthcare in comparison to other sectors is that people were thinking of digital health in a commercial way. And for healthcare in Europe, the pure commercial model just doesn't always quite fit. Many pivoted her career from telecoms into healthcare, and she's continued to focus on creating meaningful ways to use data. 
Many is part of Takeda's Data Science Institute, which is an institute within R&D that Takeda has put together to harness the power of data and digital. And while working at Takeda, many began to reimagine how data can be more rapidly scaled to impact people's lives. If we really want to bring digital technologies to health to the level that can really benefit healthcare systems in a big scale, we may have to think in a non-commercial way. And that's how we started putting together the pieces of the puzzle that have led to the H2O. So what does H2O do? And how did it all get started? It started as an effort to give patients the possibility to manage their data, in particular in chronic diseases, in a way that would give power to their voice. The initial thought was that society and payers often miss the patient perspective. And part of the reason they miss the patient perspective is because it's not structured in a way that regulators and governments interpret data. So patients tell you I'm suffering, but for a regulator, for a scientist, this doesn't really mean all that much. They feel sorry for you, but they don't quite know what to do with the information. So what we thought in Takeda is that if we can help patients capture their outcome, but in a structured way, and if we use technologies to do that, that will give a language to patients to be able to communicate better with their doctors and the healthcare system. So many and her colleagues began to lay the groundwork for establishing a common data language, one that everyone can use to communicate in a consistent, organized, and structured way. If they have a language that will empower the patients, but will also allow the patient organizations, for example, to do evidence-based advocacy, because they will have aggregate data that will show exactly what happens to the patients and will allow policymakers to really understand how to allocate resources. What we realized in the process is that although this is very welcome by the patients and the patients really appreciate the idea of having this structured dialogue with their doctors and also capturing what happens to them in a structured way, there is a need for a back office. So there is a need for organization that will take care of the technology that's required for that, that will take care of the legal issues that's required for that, and will manage the data in a trusted way, in a way that the society feels comfortable. To get a better understanding of the data privacy concerns that exist, I went to one of the partners on the H2O project. I spoke to Valentina Stramiello. Valentina is the head of programs at the European Patient Forum. In general, we have noticed that compared to Asia, in Europe, there is a tendency to be very protective of their own data, their own digital profiles, because there is a fear that there might be a misuse of this information, because you don't know how your data will be used in the future, or if it can be used for secondary purposes you are not aware of, or you don't agree with. And this links also to the topic of secondary use of data for research purposes. Unfortunately, in the past, misuse of data led to these perceptions, and we have to find a way to fix it. So our role as a patient organization is to support the building of a governance that ensures safe sharing of data, and at the same time protects patients' profiles, patients' data, because they shouldn't be afraid of sharing it they should be sure that what they are sharing is only for 
the public good and nothing else. Armed with this understanding of individuals' concerns and the goal of empowering patients, many began to consider how to bring an organization like this into existence. We were convinced from the beginning that it needs to be a non-for-profit organization, that no commercial organization will be able to create this consensus around the standards and the consensus around the measurement and then also get the hospitals and the doctors and everybody else to endorse it and start doing it consistently in a way that it can become a language because that's the important thing. The important thing is to create a common language for patients and doctors. Many explained more about the structure and mission of the project, which is also supported by the Innovative Medicines Initiative, or IMI. IMI is a European public-private partnership that aims to speed up the development of better and safer medicines for patients. The Health Outcomes Observatory is a consortium of 23 organizations working together to equip patients with tools that will allow them to measure their outcomes in a standardized manner, aggregate the data in independent entities and manage this data in a non-for-profit manner in the interest of patients, society and the world. These Health Outcomes Observatories, or H2Os, are independent not-for-profit legal entities created for data collection, analysis, and evidence sharing to inform clinical practice and healthcare decisions. So what organizations are a part of the Health Outcomes Observatory? It's a list of top academic hospitals around Europe together with the European Patient Forum, which is the umbrella organization for the patient organizations in Europe. The project is led by the Medical University of Vienna, and the other members are Erasmus in the Netherlands, Charité in Berlin, Valdebron in Spain. On the company side, we are co-leading this project together with Novartis and Ross, and other companies significantly support the project are Pfizer, Lilly, Apvi, Medtronic, Sanofi, also DDRF, which is a global research organization focusing in diabetes, as well as Trial Nation, which is an agency from Denmark. One of the numerous challenges in setting out a strategy for sharing data is defining the control and management of the data. How does H2O balance the needs of individuals as well as the needs of organizations? From a regulatory point of view, there is a clear legal direction that patients need to be in control of their data. But because of what's happening in other sectors and also because of all the various scandals and issues that have arisen, people are either worried about what's going to happen to their data and how it can be used, or the other extreme, which is organizations are thinking about health data as a way of creating power for themselves. So having some type of general understanding that neither of these extremes is right and health data instead should be seen as an essential resource that needs to be very carefully managed and needs to be available to any bona fide researcher, I think that would be a critical message to bring around. But nobody should derive power out of holding health data. In a world where social media and tech companies mine and sell the data of their users, this concept that nobody should derive power out of holding health data is a stark contrast to the status quo of other sectors. But this approach makes a lot of sense because, after all, the value isn't in the data itself. 
Standardizing the collection and aggregation of data could free up valuable resources for development in the areas that matter even more. Where we should all compete should be on how we analyze the data, how we derive insights from the data, and how we create intellectual property, how we create treatments through the data. But actually, the control of the data itself should not give power to anybody. With about 750 million people living in Europe, there's a lot of data available to collect. How will H2O identify and prioritize which patients to monitor? To start with, we're working in diabetes. Both types of diabetes are covered in the project. In IBD, so that's a bowel disease, and cancer. And in the case of cancer, we're looking into breast cancer, lung cancer, and hematological cancers. We need to identify ways to measure passively, for example, the the sleep or how much a patient moves so that we make sure that the patients can measure their outcomes in a standardized way practically. So it doesn't need to be the same technology that we use everywhere, but it should be that we measure the same things. By the end of the year, we should have finalized the choice of the technology and the measurements for the three disease areas that we have chosen. For the people who participate in H2O, how will their data be collected? Diabetes is the area where we expect that the patients will have to input into some type of questionnaire, but we hope we'll also be able to be capturing input through connected devices. However, we have already understood and realized that This will only be successful if there is broad acceptance of the measurements. So we're not developing our own standards because there are a lot of standards out there. We are looking at existing standards, but what we are focusing on is to find what is the most practical and meaningful manner to implement these standards in clinical practice. Because having a very complex patient-reported outcome which has been developed for clinical trial is not good enough for your average patient and the average doctor in the normal hospital. While many has been the driving force behind this effort at Takeda, she's quick to point out that it's the organization that's provided the environment for this degree of problem solving. I think very few organizations would have given me the support that was required to bring this together, to spend the time and the resources needed to build this up. It takes a special culture within a company to do that, and I just think that's an opportunity to thank Takeda and give the credit to Takeda for this. Many also acknowledges that there are other organizations that are making similar commitments. Also, in all honesty, all our partners have in the meanwhile joined and are now doing similar investments. So I think there's also another credit that needs to go to the industry more general who take their responsibility very seriously. Clearly, there's a lot of credit to be shared across many organizations and leaders who have made the H2O project a reality. And many more things are in store as this collaborative initiative begins to connect patients, healthcare providers, researchers, health authorities, regulatory bodies, and the life sciences industry. You can learn more about the H2O project by searching for Health Outcomes Observatory in your favorite web browser or clicking on the link in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for tuning into this special edition Coffee Talk developed by Digital Health Today with support from Takeda. 
Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe to our newsletter at digitalhealthtoday.com. Find all the Digital Health Today shows as well as thousands of episodes by great organizations by visiting us on Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Until next time, keep on innovating.